do every month. And I want you to know that you're so special to God. You're so special to this ministry that that's why this day was put aside for you every month. Because Pastor Sonny and Julie and the steering committee want you to know how special you are to this ministry. And, you know, I, I feel that I was preaching a message this weekend on trailblazing. And Pastor Sonny and Julie have always been the trailblazers and have given it to someone of whatever it has been that has the same passion that they have for that ministry. And I know that God chose me to be over this ministry because of my passion of where I come from. And those of you that do know my testimony, you know, my mom was a drug addict for 40 years. And I was raised in the system from the age of nine, uh, five to nine years old and on my own at 14 years old. And my mom was a drug addict till I was, she was 65 years old. And I led her to the Lord at 65 years old. <laughs> and it's always been my passion. I love the drug addict, but I love the children a little more. Because I feel that as children, we did not uh, ask for the life that was given to us. It was given to us, and we've had to, we had to go through whatever we had to go through. But I know one thing, that I don't care if they're with the best grandma, the best auntie, the best anybody. They are not the best because they are not their mother. You are their mother. And that's who they long for. And so my desire, in, as, as Sister uh, Ro Rosanna was saying, is that to see mothers equipped to be that mother that God wants them to be, that you were intended to be. You were, if you have a child, you were intended to be a mother. And you were intended to be that child's mother and to live the life that you always wanted to. That's what God has for you. And so this year, uh, what we're doing in L.A., and I, and I talked to Rosanna about it, we're just focusing on whatever it takes to be that mom for this year. And next month, we're going to be having a family uh, picnic, meaning that the women that can get their children, even if they're in foster care, they're going to get them out with somebody that maybe from, even if the foster mom comes to our picnic, and uh, family members, if they, don't, if they can't get their children, that they would have family members come. So it's going to be a whole day. We have games for the kids. We have jumpers. We have gifts for them, prizes for them. And, you know, um, this month in June, what we're going to be doing is we're having a home economics day where we're going to have sewing, cooking, uh, crafts, um, hygiene, how to, you know, put on makeup, fix your hair how to, uh, you know, fashion. And so everything this year is to provide a woman that are, those of us that have, you know, that are in the home, those of you that are in the home, that you get that self-esteem back, that dignity of who God has made you. And so, because that's going to prepare you for your children. 
That's going to prepare you for going back out there into society and going back into the church is when you know who you are in Christ, you love yourself and you don't allow the enemy any longer to bring up your past. Because I saw why my mom had a hard time serving the Lord even after she got saved is she had a hard time forgiving herself. And sometimes when you've done a lot of things, you want to beat yourself all the time, and I deserve it because look what I did. No, you don't deserve it. You don't deserve it. You don't deserve to be treated bad. God loves you, and he wants to treat you good. Amen? He loves you. And so I believe that when we equip women to know who they are in Christ, and to know that God loves them, they're going to be women that are going to be able to stand for God because they're going to listen to the right voice and not the wrong voice. Amen? So I am so happy to be here with you. I've never been in the home, but I have made my home the home. Amen? When I got saved, the day that I came to the Lord, I came to the altar and there was just something that I knew that I was never going to leave God. I just knew it. And the reason why I knew it is because he gave me that day what no man could give me. He went deep where no man could go. He went deep into my soul. He satisfied every desire that I had for my husband, that I looked for his approval and I looked for his love. I looked for my mother's love. Everything I found was in the Lord. And so when I went home, I, nobody ever told me to go to the home. Maybe I should have because I, I could have got fixed up a lot quicker. Amen? It took me a long time. But I, I got a hold of God at home, and me and my husband, he came seven months later. But even when he wasn't saved, I got a hold of God. I would pray. I would read my Bible. And I got a hold of the Lord, and I fell in love with him. And it, like I said, it's been 34 years, and I'm still in love with him. It's just been a love a relationship that has grown and grown because I hated the world so much. I hated the pain of the world. When you grow up and you see your mom jumping off a two-story building at five years old, you see her slicing her throat in front of you at nine years old. You see her try to cut you and stab your legs and abuse you and hit you. Seeing her and busted for murder. When you grow up in that kind of lifestyle, you, when, you hang, when you get a hold of God, man, you hang on and you say, that world does not appeal to me. That pain does not appeal to me. It has never appealed to me because, you know, I, I remember where I came from. And sometimes when, when I get out of line, the Lord allows me to feel that, that hurt. Do you remember how it was out there? And I said, oh, God, I don't want none of that. Because there's so much happiness in Jesus. There's so much peace in the Lord. I love peace. If anything, I love to be at peace. I love to be calm. I, because there was always so much violence in my life. Even with me and my husband, there was so much violence. We came in with a lot of excess baggage. We came in with boxing gloves on. Brother, you're going to hit me? Come on, let's go. Me and you. You know, I was from the street. So 
when I came, I wanted so much to change. I wanted to change so bad. And I wanted it like instantly. But I didn't know that it was, this is a walk for the rest of your life. So you have time to change. It's never too late to change. God can continually change you until he takes you home. That's the job that God gives to us. That's the job of the Holy Spirit is to always be changing us, for us to always be depending on him. And I thank God because, you know, it's so hard when we see women in the home that, you know, we ask you, how are you doing? Well, I'm barely hanging in there. Oh, well, you know, I don't know if I'm going to stay, and um, I don't know. I'm okay. Well, I guess. Man, you're full of complaints. Don't let me get in my message now. Okay. I'll get in my message. <laughs> but, you know, I, ran, I wasn't in the home, but I ran the home. Me and my husband ran the home for four and a half years, men and women, 15 men and 10 women. We all, and then I went, we went and uh, we had a discipleship home for 10 years. And people would come and say, somebody said if I want to be a pastor that I should come to this house. And I would look at them and say, you sure you want to come to this house? Because you will get dealt with. If I have to deal with me, then you're going to get dealt with. Amen? Because that's the only way that we make it is by dealing with issues of our lives. There's issues inside of us that the reason why some of you, when you, it gets hard in the home, you come against a wall because that wall is the character and the person that keeps making you go back. It, you're okay, but as soon as they start dealing with this part of your life, you want to go because you're used to running. You're used to being runner. How many runners do I have here? Oh, come on. I was right with you. See, that's what, why people don't serve the Lord. Because they're used to running. When I don't like something, exit. When I don't like somebody telling me, exit. And that's why people, because people want to do their own thing. Amen? People want to do what they want. And I want you to turn your Bibles with me. Could you put this mic a little bit louder, please? Amen. Joshua 3. Three, four, and five. Amen. And I pray that you would be open. Just close your eyes right now and tell yourself, Lord, make me open. Holy Spirit, open up my heart because I want to change. Amen. You know, change does not always feel good. How many of you can say amen? In fact, how many of you can say, oh, I'm kind of sick right now? Huh? Kind of going through changes now. Okay, three, four, and five, it says, Then you will know which way to go, since you have never been the way before. But keep a distance of about a thousand yards, 
between you and the ark and do not go near it. Joshua told the people, consecrate yourself for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Father, I pray right now, Father God, that you continue to move this morning, Father. I pray that your women, your women would be open and they would hear what you have to say, for we ask it in Jesus' name. And the reason why I pray that you would hear what God wants to tell you, because I've been preaching since Friday up here, since Saturday. Saturday, Sunday, Monday, today, tomorrow I preach. Go home and then I go preach in Oxnard region. And you know what's so funny is you could preach your heart out. You could talk about everything God shows you because there's things God shows you when you're preaching about the people when they're sitting there. And there will still be girls that come after the service and are still dealing with what I just talked about. I said, girl, I saw you at the altar. Why were you here? Because sometimes you're sitting here, but you're really not listening. So I want everybody's attention. I want you to stop thinking and mad-dogging the girl next to you. I want you to start stop thinking about what's for lunch. I don't want you to think how you're going to get out of the home. Maybe I should go through that window, the back door. Hey, go out the front door the way you came. Don't think about it no more. You didn't come in through the window. Don't leave out the window. You didn't leave through the laundry room. You left. You came in through the front door. That used to trip me out when the girls would sneak out. They go wash. What happened to Sister So-and-so? She split. How dumb. Why did she just go to the front door? I would have let her go. You know, this is a place where we take people that want the three questions that I would ask girls when they wanted to come into the home, I would listen for these three questions, these three answers. I'm tired, I want God, and I want to change. And then I knew that I had a disciple. But when they came in, why do you want to be here? I ain't got nowhere to go tonight. Well, there's a shelter down the street, girl. Well, I got to go to court tomorrow. I need papers because they have to see that I'm in a program. Yeah, you were supposed to bring those papers six months ago. Now you've been driving around the street and you come to me and you want me to sign your paper. I'm sorry, but I ain't signing it. Because I ain't going to let those babies go back with somebody that really is not ready for them. Okay, let me get my message. Okay. <laughs> There's certain things I have to say because I know the home. Amen? And I, wanna, I want you to know that we know. Because we've been there. Maybe I was in the home, but I was still in the condition you were in when you came. Hurting, wanting to change, but maybe not wanting to go through the process of it. You want microwave Christianity. Well, I'm going to stay here as long as God do, does what I say. God, I want this in this day, and, I and then I'm only giving you two weeks, so I hope you do what I tell you to do. And then you wonder why you're leaving the next day. Because God says, hey, I'm a gentleman. I don't impose on your will. You let your will be done then because you're calling the shots. 
Some of you are in the home and you're calling the shots. You're, you're there and you're telling God what you want. You're telling the home director what you want. And that's why I think it's so important when we interview people because I got to make sure that I can work with you because it doesn't mean that you are who you are that we're just supposed to take you. No, we're, we don't have to take you. We take you because it's a home where you're going to learn how to live a different life, where you're going to learn how to who you are in Christ. If I have to convince you about God, then you know what? I'm, I'm going to waste a lot of time trying to show you what God has for you, shoving it down your throat. But you've got to come open. You've got to come open. I don't owe you nothing. You've got to come open and say, this is my life that I want to get together. Then we're there for you. But I can't see myself messing with the same character day after day after day. And you think i got to put up with it. You're lucky I ain't your home director. Amen? <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. <laughs> then you will know which way to go because you have never been this way before. When he says the path that you've never been through before, that's what's happening to you when you're in the home. You're going down a path that you have never been before. Now, when I say, some of you could say, yeah, well, I've been down this path. This is my fifth home. Amen? You say, I've been down this path, but you know what? You've been down the path, but you never completed the trail. You've been down halfway, but as soon as you got there, you went back because you said, you know what? It's too hard. But God says there's paths that you never have been down before because you need to know when you go in the home, you have to expect un, you have to expect and prepare for unusual things to happen. Unusual things, what it means, it means uh, unusual things are things you're not accustomed to. Things that you're not familiar with. It means a nonconformist. Some of you don't know how to conform to the things of God. And you say, I'm not conforming to those ways. That's unusual for me. This is me. This is how I am. This is the way that I think. This is unfamiliar for me to be kind. This is unfamiliar to me for, to, for me to be open. For me to talk about things. That's what you're going to have to get used to. Unusual things are going to happen in the home to you. To pass the ways that we have never passed before. Some of you are passing through the valley of the shadow of death. Meaning that you're dying to yourself. And in, in that place where you're dying, you're not enjoying it. Man, you're bucking, you're kicking, you're fighting. And you've never been to that place where you've had to die to yourself. Some, when you see people that are out there and they're living under a tree, they're living under a bridge, it's because they didn't want to conform to the things of this world. Meaning being responsible. Meaning paying rent. Meaning anybody to tell them what to do. You can get so stubborn 
that you find yourself at that place because you think that, man, I'm finally where nobody can tell me what to do, but yet the devil is telling you what to do. He's leading you around by the nose, but you think you got it made because now nobody tells me what to do. Huh? Those are unfamiliar places. Those who are unusual things that, are, that you've never been through. Another place and another road that you've never been through is discipline. Some of you don't get, you're not disciplined. You always want to be on discipline. You don't know how to discipline your own life. You don't know how to say, no, be quiet. Devil, I know I'm not going to get in trouble. I'm going to be disciplined in my ways. We weren't disciplined in school. We weren't disciplined with our parents. We weren't disciplined in the responsibilities that we had. So discipline is something that's very unusual. It's something that's not familiar and you're not accustomed to it. Man, I'm accustomed to fighting. Somebody tells me something, I'm fighting. I mean, there was times that girls would come in my face. I remember I had one girl that came in my face, and she said, you know what, man? She says, I'm about to hit you. And I looked at her and said, honey, if that was what it was all about, I would have took you in the back and whipped you already. (laughs) But see, we don't do those things no more. We're women of God, and we handle you in the spirit. And man, that spirit just came and melted her. Why? Because we don't, we don't do those things no more. And so those things were unfamiliar to her to be disciplined. She wanted to fight me because she had to do something. Amen? You've never been down the road of submission. Submitting to what God tells you. Submitting to what your directors tell you. Submitting to what your pastors tell you. You're not used to submitting. You're not used to being humble. You don't know what it is to be humble. The women would come in, man, and they didn't have nothing. And they would be so proudful. I go, girl, what are you so proud for? You don't have nothing. But I have my pride. Yeah, your pride is going to kill you. Because that's what pride does. So you don't know it's not familiar for you to be humble. But you're at a place that God is going to do something miraculous. Some of you have never been down the road or passed through the road of obedience. Obeying. You fight people. You fight your director. Every time they say one thing, you find your little group of women in the home that like to disagree because they're not obedient either. And then you call that one that's obedient, you tell her, oh, man, you're just trying to gain points. This, hey, this ain't the prison yard. You know, you don't tell somebody that they're just trying to gain points. They're serious about God. But because you're not used to it, you're not used to obeying, you think you're a chump if you obey. You have that mentality of the world, and God is trying to change it. God is trying to show you, look, it's just that you've never been that way, but I want to teach you. You've never been down the road of responsibility. You've never been down the road is when they tell you something 
to be responsible for, and you don't want to be responsible because you're lazy. Lazy. Hey, when you're using drugs, man, you're out there, and you are lazy. You be smoking that stuff, and in your mind, you want to get up and clean. <laughs> Unless you take that speed, and you'll be cleaning your house as sharp as sharp. But you become so lazy, you don't cook, you don't, and then you come to the home, and man, they tell you to clean something, and you don't clean it right. I am so tired. This is so hard. Oh, I got cramps. Hey, you be out there at drugs and everything, fixing in your cramps. You didn't care. And you always think, because I have cramps, that's a, isn't that the most favorite one for the women in the home? I got cramps. Hey, well, cramp it up and let's go outside. We got work to do. Bring your cramps with you. Amen? You'll get over it. Hey, my body's all messed up. I said, but I'm here. I've been here preaching every day. It don't matter because when you know what you're there for, some of you don't know why you're in the home. Why am I here? I'm here because I have no place to go. I'm here. You have all the reasons that aren't the reasons why you should be in the home. You should be there because you're in the school of the Holy Ghost. You're in a place where God is going to teach you how to be different. He, he, you've never been down the road of brokenness. Being broken. Now, being broken and being emotional are two different things. Emotional, sometimes you women in the morning, you're boohooing, crying up a storm. And you get up and right away you start fighting. Right away you start calling shots. Right away you get back in the flesh. That's emotional. But when you're broken, it's like you make a turnaround. You, you turn around from whatever it was that God spoke to you. And you work on that area. And you apply it to your life. And the reason why you get broken in that way is because you're in the word. On your, in your private time, when they say you, can, you have a, a break, you know, or for a few hours or whatever, all of you run to your bed. Come on now. You run to your bed. Ooh, I got three hours of sleep. But the girl that wants to get a hold of God... She goes into the prayer closet. She spends time in the word. She gets under a tree and she gets alone with God. But you still think you're doing time. I've never been to prison. But I know that the prisoners, when, when they have free time, who's been to prison? Okay. What have you done in, in your free time? That's it. Because that's what we act like. We're in a program. You have a program mentality. The program has to supply all my needs. The program has to do this. I'll just kick back and let the program work for me. You're not in a program. You're in the school of the Holy Ghost. That means that God is going to probe at you. Because, see, when you get broken, I want you to turn with me. 
Turn with me to um, Haggai. No, not Haggai. I'm sorry. Let me find it. Lord, bring it to my remembrance. Name of the book. Hosea. Hosea. When you're broken, this is what happens to you. Hosea 10. Ten, twelve. Okay? You have it? It says, sow for yourselves righteousness. Reap the fruit of unfailing love and break up your unplowed ground for it is time to seek the Lord until he comes and showers righteousness on you. But you have planted wickedness, you have reaped evil and have eaten the fruit of deception because you have depended on your own strength and on your many warriors. When it says, sow for yourself righteousness, reap the fruit of unfailing love, break up the unplowed ground. The unplowed ground is in the heart. When you read the word or you hear a message and you get broken, that brokenness begins to go and soften up the heart. It softens up the heart. What, it, what, that's why it refers to unplowed ground. How is unplowed ground? It's hard. There's nothing you can plant there. But every time that word comes and it breaks you, your heart begins to get softer. That, it's like watering it. It's every day, if you have a hard feel, every day you're watering it to make it soft. So that it could be plowed. Well, every time you're in that word and you apply the word, what the word does, it softens your heart. It softens you. And when it softens you, it says, to, it says so that you could reap the righteousness of God and the fruit of his unfailing love. It's time. When you go through a trial, it's time to seek the Lord. And it says, because when you seek him, it says, until he comes, the showers of righteousness are on you. That means that the more you cultivate, the more you get into that word, the more that you pray, the more that you're broken. When you can see a broken man and woman of God that spends time with the Lord, because when they come out of that prayer, when they come out of that prayer closet and they come out of that word, Man, they are different. They begin to be more different and more different. When they get out of that prayer room, when they come up from prayer, a lot of times, man, I, I don't understand. When they say somebody's a prayer warrior, and man, they get up and they can still give dirty looks. Right from prayer. Who were you talking to down there? Because there's evidence. There's evidence of the fruit of repentance. There's evidence. It says what eagerness. What eagerness to change. What eagerness to do the things of God. 
There's an evidence of your relationship with God. So sometimes you can get offended when your director says, you know what? You don't look like you're having a relationship with God. Oh, how dare you? I love God. That's everybody's cliche. I love God. But, you know, the love of God, he says, you will know their fruits by their love. You'll know their fruits by their actions. You'll know that their fruits from the, they look like me. But when you're still looking like yourself, still talking out of the side of your neck to everybody, that's not God. So don't get offended if they tell you that. Check yourself and say, man, am I being broken or am I, do I have emotions? A lot of times it's emotions. But you have to begin to say and look at that word and say, Lord, I'm going through something. It's time to get a hold of God. But what will you do? You'll complain. You won't get a hold of God. You'll get, you'll get a hold of somebody else's ear in the home. And you, you dump on them. And you tell them, before you know it, they ain't strong. So you and them, you know, you make a pact. Let's leave together. And how do I know? Because one moment you're in the, in the we used to call it the big room, you're in the front room, and you're broken and everything, and you already had a plan. You and the devil have had conversations. You won't tell your director what you're going through. You'll tell another negative. You won't tell the staff what you're going through. But you'll tell somebody else negative, or some of you will just talk to the enemy. And before you know it, you and the enemy are talking, having coffee. Sit down. Have a cup of coffee. Let's talk about this. And all the negative in your mind, it's the mind. It hasn't even got to the heart yet. But what happens when you don't talk to your director and you don't talk to somebody that can help you, then the enemy has all the weapons. Shh. Don't tell nobody. Because when you don't tell nobody, it goes from here to the heart and becomes action. And how do you know? Because you just got done worshiping God, and then you start getting your stuff and rolling it up. And you say, man, what? You, you say, what happened? And you get on the phone. You know, if it was a pay phone, we had a pay phone. You get on the phone. Hey, you know what? This bleepity bloppity director and this bleepity bloppity, and you were just raising your hands. And you're cussing and and you're talking bad. You know why? Because that's what was in you all the time. You never got it out. So all of a sudden, you, you're twisted. Man, you get twisted so fast. And the next thing you know, they catch you at the liquor store. You got a beer in your hand. You got a cigarette like you never left. Because it was inside of you. So those women that you're quiet, you know, you're quiet, and she's, you want everybody to think you're so nice? Uh-uh. You got conversations. And it's with the wrong person. It's not because you're sweet. Oh, look, at she's so sweet and so quiet. She's just so nice. Hey, they be, may be quiet on the outside, but they be singing on the inside. And they're talking. Because when you're broken, there becomes a passion in you for God. There becomes a determination 
Because, God, you allowed him to go deep into your issues. There's issues that are go so deep and are so embedded in you that the only thing that's going to get them out is this word. The only thing that is going to bring them to the surface, it's like an ice glacier. The ice glacier goes down. It has roots down there. It's in the ocean. It's not only up here, but it's down here. And when we don't deal with those issues, you know, that's why this is a work of a lifetime. That's why you don't ever make it. I, I haven't made it. 34 years, I'm not, I haven't made it. I'm not done yet. Until Jesus comes for me, then I'm done. Then I'm done, and I want to finish well. But through our life, he's always dealing with us. But you know what? When you are at this place, every time I've gone through a trial, I don't just go to this person and that person. There's times I walk in the house, I'll be going through it, I look at my husband, oh, okay, I got to go. Because he can't go deep. He can't go where no man can go. Only God can go and pick up the roots. There's roots that are there. But some of us, when we're emotion, this is what emotion does. It's like a lawn. When somebody mows the lawn, and you know how you mow it and take all the weeds out, and they come back in a few weeks. But I remember when they used to give you a butter knife. Huh? Old school, older. I'm going to be six, 59 years old, so I'm a little older school. But we used to have to get it with a butter knife, and we used to have to get those weeds at the root so that they wouldn't come back no more. That's the same way if it's emotional, it'll get cut, and make you feel good for right now. But you know what? In a few weeks, it's going to show up again. Because the word is what digs around it. The word is what digs around it to get it out. And I know that I remember having an experience where I had a, a, a cyst in my arm. And I remember that I, when I went to the doctor, nobody likes to get cut you know you don't want to get cut anywhere and I've been cut and had a horrible cut so I never want to get cut and so I went in there and to the doctor my husband was in the waiting room and the doctor began to describe to me okay I'm gonna have to go in there and I'm gonna have to cut it open and you hear cut it open and I go uh, I don't know you know he said well or you could live with it I go okay let me go talk to my husband I said dad they said that I could cut it but it's gonna hurt it's going to hurt. I'm a big baby with my husband. I, I said, it's going to hurt. I said, or he said I could live with it, so maybe I should just live with it. He goes, no, you better cut it because you don't know what it could turn into. So I remember going back. I said, okay, cut it. And I'm laying there sideways, and they give me a, a local anesthesia. And all of a sudden, when he opened it, and I'm looking at the nurse, and I'm going, oh, oh, I could feel it. And he says, you know, the root of this thing is wrapped around a big root. And I'm going to have to use a special kind of scissor to get in there, so it's going to hurt. And I'm looking at the nurse, and I said, oh, my God, God's giving me a message. He's giving me a message. And she's like, what? 
And I said, yes, he's giving me a message that, you know what, we have roots that are so deep, so embedded, they're around a tree, and, and it's going to take a special touch of God to, to come with special scissors and get them out, and that specialty is the word of God. The word is the only thing that's going to go deep, that's going to cut where no man can cut. So that when you're broken, it's a sincerity. It's when you're broken, you're seeing what God is able to do in your life. He's revealing himself to you because he loves you. But some of you have taken it so personal when somebody deals with you. Why? Because when somebody dealt with you, maybe there was no love behind it. But God loves you. He loves me. That's why he dealt with me. I had to realize that it's because they love me that my pastors dealt with me. Not be, you know, the first, when you're immature, you think, oh, they don't like me. How come she don't get dealt with? They like her more. Well, doesn't that just sound like a baby? Well, because that's what we are. We're babies when we come to the Lord and we're learning how to be mature in our thinking. Amen? So when you go through something, you go to that word. And you let that word break you. You go and you ask your director, I'm going through this. Give me scriptures that will help me. Give me scriptures that will show me what I'm going through because I want to conquer this. You've never been down the road of stability. Oh, if anything in my life that I love about my life is that I'm stable. When you've been a kid, again, that was raised, living from house to house. Right now, I'm in the process of writing a book. It's called My Song, A Child Has No Voice. And I had to go back. I had to go with the writer to all the places that things happened to me. And I already went through, like, Eight houses, and I'm not done. I had to go where my mom slit her throat in front of me, and now those places look horrible. It's 50-something years later. And it was very painful. But what it did, and I'm not done with all, because it went from a beautiful house to hotel motels. I haven't got to the motels yet. Because some, you know, I, now I know why people take a long time writing a book. Because you have to go back to things. And sometimes it's hard. And then you, know, you know what God has done. And that's what, every time I got done with one place, I was so grateful to, for my salvation. And I saw all the places. That was only eight places. There's still maybe another five. And when I looked at that, I'm so grateful for stability because I've been in one church for 34 years. I've raised three children. They're tw 39, 34, and 29. I've been with one man for almost 41 years this year. And being saved for 34 years and never backsliding. And I don't contribute to myself. I contributed to this word. 
But because there was women that would lead me down this path that I've never been before. I was a person that did, when I came to the Lord, I didn't know how to be a Christian. I remember my first women's ministry breakfast. They said, does anybody have a testimony? I got up and I tore everybody off. I didn't know what a testimony was. At the time of that year when I got saved and before that, I was in the Chicano movement. I thought you just said whatever you felt. You know what? You women need love. And you know what? You women don't do this and you don't do that. And I remember real nicely, Sister Julie had one of the women in ministry come real nicely, take me outside. <laughs> and she said, you know, we don't do things like that. You know what I told her? You know, I'm sorry. I said, I've never been a Christian. I don't know how a Christian's supposed to act, but I want to learn. And you know what? That made the difference. Even though, because I had to admit, some of you don't admit that you don't know how to act. Some of you don't admit that you don't know how to be a mom. Because when you are in your right mind now, you think that you were always that way. I remember my mom was in 10 homes. She'd leave a home, leave a home with a guy. She was in the ranch. She was everywhere. Hacienda with Pastor Sonny and Julie. And she would always make me the reason why she had to leave the home. But my baby, I'm the youngest. Hey, when she'd leave that home, her baby never saw her. She didn't come home to her baby. She went out there and did her thing. See, as drug addicts before, we can tend to be selfish. And I can say that because I lived with a selfish woman. She was selfish about her life because she didn't, she, I mean, she would even tell us, if there was birth control in my day, none of you would be here. A, an ugliness. And because of that, I suffered. And then when she became a Christian, she changed using, not using drugs, but she didn't change a lot in her character. And when she didn't change in her character, she would still make me feel the same. Because it wasn't familiar to her to be a mom. It wasn't familiar to her to want to give me. She kept wanting to take, even as a Christian. Because she didn't allow the word of God because she was a domineering, controlling woman, even as a dotee. That's why she never got married, because nobody was going to tell her what to do. So these are things, of the reason I'm mentioning them, that you have to work on while you're in the home. That's why you're there. You're there because what happens is I remember she would tell me, okay, I'm saved now. Okay, let's not talk about my past. Okay, I, you know, I don't want to talk about it. Well, you may be free, but I'm still messed up because of what I suffered. So let's talk about it because we both need to get healed. 
And I believe that if she was alive and she, uh, if she would uh, continue to work on it, rather, because the Lord took her home when she was 81 and took her in all the glory of God. Thank you, Jesus. She, you know what it took, though? She had Alzheimer's. And what's so sad is in that Alzheimer's, I got to hold her again without her presence. I got to speak to her like it, a fantasy thing. Mom, you want to go downtown? Let's go buy a dress. And she would be, you know, in the Alzheimer's, she'd go, well, where do you want to go? See, that conversation might be an everyday conversation to you, but it was not an everyday conversation to me because every time I saw her and she was loaded, and I wish, I mean, she was a pillhead. She wasn't on heroin. Sometimes I used to wish she was on hero, heroin so she could sit there and nod and, and not be violent and hitting me. But it was such a, a healing for me during those three years of her sickness. Because when she went to be with the Lord, she, she was in all the glory of God. She looked gorgeous. But he healed me. And I only say that because I miss that if she could have been normal one week to take me to the store, one week to talk to me. Sister Julie told me, you know, when you write this book, you got to put some humor in it. I said, you know what? I don't remember humor. I don't remember laughter. And some of you women are here right now. When I'm speaking, you're closing it out of your mind because you don't want to deal with that. You don't want to deal with the issues of your life. You want to pretend that they're away now. They're with somebody else. I'm going to get it out of my mind. I want you to know that those children, you're not out of their mind. You're on their mind. So don't play your old hard, tough role that, hey, well, you know what? That's the way, the, that's the way it falls. No. Jesus, they're his kids, and he gave them to you. And, and I want to tell you that my boys have been my motivation for change. My sons, when I look at them since they were little, my son and I, Mondo, came to the ministry when he was five years old. And they have been my motivation to change. When I look at them, I say, no matter if I'm going through this trial, that trial, I don't care if they're old men. They need me. They need me, and I love them because I give to them what I never had. And my husband, thank God that he thought the same way. So we've been a team together fighting the enemy. We've been a team together growing, growing because, you know, we went down paths we never knew about. But you know what? We got a hold of God. And whether you're in the home or you're not in the home, that's, those are paths that God's going to take you that you can't run for. You can't run from them anymore. Some of you are not familiar not running. Some of you want to go to the door every day. 
when you come back to know I'm not going to run. I'm going to stay. I'm going to do what God wants me to do because I love my wife. And that's what God wants you to do. He wants you to love your life. He says, even though you have never been down this road before, I'm going to take you by the hand. And I'm going to give you instructions. And with this, we're going to close. Amen? I want you to turn with 2 Peter. My favorite scripture for every home. For my life. 2 Peter 1, 3. And everybody has it, say amen. It says, his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises, which is the word of God, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. God has given you precious promises to learn how to have the divine nature of Christ. That's how you escape the corruption caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort, not some effort, every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness brotherly kindness and to brotherly kindness love. For if you do, if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, means you keep on getting them, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. But if anyone does not have them, he's nearsighted and blind and has forgotten that he's been cleansed from his past sins. Therefore, my sisters, my brothers, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. And this is a key. For if you do these things, you will never fall. That is a guarantee that when you keep seeking the Lord, you keep changing, you keep doing what God wants, you're effective with what you do, you become eager to do the things of God. He says, because you got a calling in your life. Make sure that you make your calling. You may be sitting in the home and say, I don't know what I'm called for, but God will reveal himself to you as he reveals himself to you in the word. He'll reveal your calling. He'll put it inside of you. He says, but if you don't do these things, you're going to forget where God got you from. You're going to get blinded by the enemy. He says, and then you'll fall. But when you don't fall, he said, it's because you're making every effort to make your calling. Let's stand. And I don't want no singers, just music. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's bow our heads. Hallelujah. In Ephesians 1, 4, 
and 5, it says, For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight and love. He predestined us to be adopted by his son, Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and his will. It was his pleasure and his will to make you his daughter. And as you close your eyes, the altar call is going to be Hallelujah. Which way have you never been that you have to ask the Lord, Lord, show me how to be disciplined. Show me how to die to myself. Where is it on this road? Because he said, you got to do this because God wants to do amazing things. Amazing. Can you imagine the things he wants to do in your life? He said, consecrate yourself because the Lord is going to do amazing things. But you must prepare that way. You must be prepared for the blessings of God. And how you're prepared is making your heart ready for him. And I want you to come, those of you that you know what it is, the paths you haven't gone, and you want God to help you. You want to surrender. You want to be obedient. You want to apply what he wants you to apply in your life. I want you to come, and I want you to ask the Lord, Lord, why am I having a hard time? Why are these unusual, unfamiliar uncommon things happening to me in my life. I want to know. What is it that I need? Lord, this path that I'm not used to being obedient. I may not used to being disciplined or responsible. But God, I want to sow I want to be broken. I don't want to be emotional. I want you to do something in my inner being. I want you to go deep. Why? Sometimes you got to find out why am I rebellious? Where does it come from? What have I experienced? And the Lord wants you to know what it is so that you can get it out of you. So that you can go through this word that is his precious promises. And he'll reveal to you what it is and how you need to get rid of it through the word. What are the actions that you have to take? If it's lack of discipline, learning how to turn around and say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, I'm going to keep focus. I'm going to keep my eyes on you. I'm going to be disciplined to the things that they're telling me to do. I'm going to stay focused on why I'm here in the home. Oh, Father, I pray for your beautiful daughters, Lord. I pray for your daughters, Father, that love you. And those that are learning how to love. And those, my God, that they may not even know how to love. But God, I pray that you would show them your love. Show them your spirit, Father, that you are with them. Show them your word, Father, that you care. It says in the word that you've given us everything that we need for this life. There's no problem. There's no, nothing too big, too small. God says, I've given you everything. Seek me for it. It 
that they would be able to ask for help, oh God. Oh, that I'm, don't let them be silent or isolated, oh God. But that they would speak to their home directors, Father. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, we thank you, Lord. We thank you. Oh, let's give him a clap offering this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.